This morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It is on the back of your bulletin. It'll be on the screen, but you are welcome to, uh, to read along in your Bibles as well. Today, we're, we're finishing up our series on who are we? We're the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the sheep of his pasture. And, and the mission we are on is not our own, but God's. And, and he has called us to be missional, relational, intentional, and to live as aliens, as exiles, in a land that does not belong to us. It is only through Christ that it is possible for us to be part of this mission, to be what God is calling us to be. And today we look at not what God is calling us to be, but what we are. And what we are is only through Christ, in Christ, and because of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. We read the word of the Lord. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand... And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Amen. In his book... Vanishing Grace, Philip Yancey shares a story about a World War II veteran currently serving as a pastor who had participated in the liberation of the Dachau concentration camp. At the end of the war, as the U.S. soldiers marched through the gates, nothing could prepare them for what they found in the boxcars within the camp. The man said, a buddy and I were assigned to one boxcar. Inside were human bodies stacked in neat rows, exactly like firewood. Most were corpses, but a few still had a faint pulse. The Germans, ever meticulous, had planned out the rows, alternating the heads and feet and accommodating different sizes and shapes of bodies. Our job was like moving furniture. We would pick up each body, it was so light, and carry it to a designated area. I spent two hours in that boxcar. Two hours for me that included every known emotion, rage, pity, shame, revulsion, every negative emotion, I should say. They came in waves, all but the rage. It stayed, fueling our work. Then a a fellow soldier named Chuck agreed to escort 12 SS officers in charge of the camp to an interrogation center nearby. A few minutes later, the crew working in the boxcar heard bursts of a machine gun. Soon, Chuck came strolling back, smoke still curling from the tip of his weapon. They all tried to run away, he said with a leer. When Yancey asked if anyone reported what Chuck did or took disciplinary action, the pastor said no. And that's what got to me. It was on that day that I felt called by God to become a pastor. First, there were the horrors of the corpses in the boxcar. I could not absorb such a scene. 
I did not even know such absolute evil existed. But when I saw it, I knew beyond doubt that I must spend my life serving whatever opposed such evil, serving God. Then came the incident with Chuck. I had a nauseating fear that the captain might call on me to escort the next group of SS guards. And even more dread, fear, and even more dread fear that if he did, I might do the same as Chuck. The beast that was within those guards was also within me. The beast that was within those guards was also in me. The same beast, the same darkness that would allow those guards to treat people this way, to put them in these stacks, some dead, some alive. That same darkness was in me. And I know it. Because if I'd been asked to transport those guards like Chuck, I would have been tempted to claim that they had tried to escape. I would have been tempted to punish them for the horrific things that they did to those people. The things that I don't have words to adequately adequately express my revulsion for. I would have been tempted to take the punishment of these guards into my own hands. I may have made up the excuse that they had tried to run. I may have made up any excuse so I could cut them down in cold blood and give them what I thought they had coming to them. Can you feel that? Can you relate to that? The beast that was within those guards was also in me. In our passage today, Jesus is telling us that we are the light of the world. And yet in each of us lies this beast, this darkness, this ability. And and when provoked in certain ways, when our buttons are pushed just right, it becomes a, a desire to do horrific things. It becomes a desire to sin. How good are we at saying no to the darkness? To the beast inside. How good are we at not sinning? I'm not talking about gunning down helpless prisoners, but just just sin, period. How good are we at not lying? How good are we at not cheating? How about lust? Envy? Pride? Rage? How good are we at turning the other cheek? How good are you guys at doing this? How are you doing at keeping the beast at bay, at keeping the darkness from seeing the light of day? Our natural state is one of darkness. We are not born good. We are not inherently good. Each of us is sinful from the time we are conceived, as we read in the Psalms. Our natural disposition is darkness. So how can Jesus say that we are the light? How are we supposed to be something that inherently, naturally, we are not? 
had the privilege of, uh, of visiting Chad a few years ago. I, I know I've, I've mentioned it a couple times, but there was one instance, and I'll, I mean, I'll never forget it, where we're in this compound in a tiny little village of Doe, and Doe is like six hours southwest, I believe, of Jemina, which is the capital. You're way out there, man. Like, way out there. And, and the towns, I mean, they don't got streetlights and stuff, right? It's a bunch of mud huts. And, and we're sitting in the missionary's compound, in, in Venberg's compound. And we just took a night, and we just sat out under the stars. And it was awesome. I've never seen stars like that. But what's more is I've, I've never seen the moon like that. The moon was huge. Huge and bright. We, we didn't need candles to see each other. It was so bright. We've all seen the moon. We've all seen how the moon can light up the night. I'm sure there have been times when we've had, had to get out of bed and, and close the blinds or, or shut the curtains because the moon was so bright. It was keeping us up. It keeps us awake. Where does this light come from? The moon is just a lifeless dark rock that hangs out in, in outer space. I mean, obviously, it, it serves its purposes. We've, we've got the tides uh, because of the moon. I, I still don't really understand how all that works, but they ensure me that this is, this is reality. Our tides are dictated because of the gravity of the moon, which is awesome, pretty mind-blowing. But it doesn't have the ability to sustain life. We've looked all over that rock for life. We can't find anything. It's just a big hunk of rock that, that hangs in the sky. So where does the light come from? It doesn't have any light of its own. It comes from the sun, right? We know this. It comes from the sun. The light of the sun is so bright that it reflects off the moon with such intensity that it gives us some light at night. The light doesn't originate with the moon. But the moon is used to shine the light of the sun on the dark side of the earth. It is a vessel for the light, even if the light did not originally come from it. It's the same with us and the light of Christ. The light does not originate with us. We do not suddenly realize how, how to be the light of the world. We can't suddenly become good and, and shine good light. It is the light of Christ that we shine on a darkened world. A world that has turned its face from the light of the sun. From the light of Christ. Another illustration of this we find with Leslie Newbegin in his book, Mission in Christ's Way. I think I've, I've probably used it before, but... We're going to look at it again. Leslie writes in his book, I, I think that a very good and, and valid symbol of our mission is to be found in an experience which those of us who have lived in India are familiar. When we have to go to a distant village in our pastoral duty, we, we try to start very early in the morning so that we do not have to walk in the heat of the day. And it sometimes happens that we have to set off in total darkness Perhaps we're going towards the west so that there is no light in the sky and everything is dark. But as we go, a party of people traveling the opposite direction 
comes to meet us. There will be at least a faint light on their faces. And if we stop and ask them, where does the light come from? They will simply ask us to turn around and look towards the east. A new day is dawning. And the light we saw was just its faint reflection in the faces of those going that way. They did not possess the light. It was given to them. The church is that company which, going the opposite way to the majority, facing not from life towards death, but from death towards life, is given already the first glow of the light of a new day. It is that light that is the witness. Man, what an image. The light is spiritual life, and the darkness is is spiritual death. The light is was given to us. We, as we fellowship with the Father of light, let the glow of our relationships serve as a witness to those living in darkness. Jesus Christ, active in our lives, is the witness to the lost. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are the light of the world. But it is God's light that we are shining. Don't let this become law. Don't let this become about something that you must do, that we must do. You can hear these verses and think, oh man, how can I make my light brighter? How can I intensify my glow? What what questions are we asking there? How can I? You can't. It's not your light. It's Christ's light. And it is only through Christ that we are the light of the world. It is only through Christ that we are a city on a hill. It is only through Christ that our light shines before others. It is only through Christ that we have any good works at all for the world to see. For it is only through Christ that our works bring glory to the Father. The light is Christ's. And we are the travelers moving east. We are the moon reflecting the sun. He has chosen us to reflect off of us, to shine through us, to affect this dark world. Christ desires to use us in his mission to bring about his kingdom. So in Christ, in the power of the gospel, let us be a light that shines in this dark world. Let us be a city on a hill. And what an image. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And yet so much of our struggle and witness is that we want to stay hidden, right? I don't want to witness to my neighbor because then they'll know about me. I don't want the world to to know my beliefs because then they'll know about me. I don't want the world to, I don't want the world to treat me different. I want to be hidden. 
What does a city provide to a wanderer out in the darkness? Provide shelter. Shelter from the wind and the rain and the wild animals. Food. Sustenance. Company in the form of others that are also taking shelter in the city of light. Hope that that there is something else besides the darkness, pain, and death that is in the wilderness. We are a city on a hill. Because of Christ and his work in us and through us, we are a shelter in the storm, a beacon for hope, a place to come for spiritual sustenance. Again, this isn't about keeping the law. It's about embracing the gospel. We aren't the light so that we can please God. And we don't maintain the light so that we aren't shunned by God. The light is his. It's his. It's not ours. God is using us to shine forth his light so that the gospel might go forth, so that souls might be saved. But we are not ourselves unaffected by the light. We are not ourselves unaffected by the light. Remember, we are creatures of darkness by nature. So as we reflect the light, we are also changed by the light. God is working on us through the Holy Spirit so that our behaviors, our thought patterns, the way that we live life and talk about God and and care about how our neighbor views us are changed. By the light, changed by reading the Bible, by fellowshipping with other believers, by maintaining a strong and committed prayer life. God works on us in our relationship with him. And as he shines his light on us and through us, we become more like him. We become vessels of light. And so through the working of the light on our lives, through the convicting and enabling of the Holy Spirit, we begin to, we better reflect his light. Not that we can ever attain perfection. We are a constant work in progress, but God will never give up on us. He will never abandon us. And that's great because, you know, I'm not always a very good reflector. Of the light. I don't always do things exactly how I should, exactly how I want to, or exactly, and definitely not exactly how God wants me to. Just because I don't and can't doesn't mean I shouldn't strive for what He wants for me. Praise God for His infinite wisdom and grace and mercy and love that He doesn't give up on me, that he doesn't give up on you. He is constantly working on us, constantly shaping us into better vessels and better reflectors of his light. And that light shines forth a beacon to those wandering in the darkness. In February 1954, A Navy pilot set out on a midnight or a night training mission from a carrier off the coast of Japan. While he was taking off in stormy weather, his directional finder malfunctioned, and he mistakenly headed in the wrong direction. And then, to make matters worse, his instrument panel suddenly short-circuited, burning out all the lights in the cockpit. 
The pilot looked around and could see absolutely nothing. The blackness outside the plane had suddenly come inside. Nearing despair, he looked down and and thought he saw a faint blue-green glow trailing along in the ocean's ebony depths. His training had prepared him for this moment, and he knew in an instant what he was seeing. A cloud of phosphorescent algae glowing in the sea that had been stirred up by the engines of his ship. It was the least reliable and most desperate method of piloting a plane back onto a ship safely. But the pilot, future Apollo 13 astronaut Jim Lovell, knew that was precisely what he needed to do. And so he did. Jim's life was saved because of light. Not just any light, but bioluminescent dinoflagellates, which are tiny creatures that contain luciferin, a generic term for the light-emitting compound. Bioluminescent organisms live throughout the ocean, from the surface to the sea floor, from near the coast to the open ocean. That light, those little glowing algae that were stirred up by the, the regular motion of the ship, that light led him to safety. Without that light, he would have died. He had no way to get home, no way to get to safety, no means of, of getting any kind of bearing. His only hope was the light that led him straight to the boat, straight to refuge, straight to life. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They did not possess the light. It was a light given to them. The church is that company which, going the opposite way to the majority, facing not from life towards death, but from death towards life, is given already the first glow of the light of a new day. It is that light that is the witness. Let us let our witness shine. As God works in us, sanctifying us by his grace, let his light shine from us out into our dark world. And may his light be our witness. What an amazing and gracious God that we serve. That the light he shines through us, that others might see him also works his grace and his love in our hearts. That as God uses us in his work, he is doing his work.